So, hello again, folks, and welcome to episode five of the Men in Red Show. I'm Drew, joined as always by John, and we are here to talk to you about the first weekend of the NCAA tournament, as well as the impending Sweet 16 game Wisconsin has against North Carolina. John, how are you doing this evening? I'm super happy. I have a bloated sense of confidence coming off of this weekend. I am feeling good. I think I this would have been maybe the end of our show if Wisconsin had not won. So I'm thrilled that our show still survives. Otherwise, I don't know what we'd be talking about. Maybe Stavi. Well, we would definitely be talking about Joel Stave. Some Mike Eaves. I have nothing to say that I could possibly... This is a family Put on the show. Internet. Yeah, it's a family show. We don't want to uh, go for the explicit rating on iTunes, so we should probably stay away from any Mike Eaves chatter. So I don't point. know if I know enough to even get explicit with it. The most explicit thing about my knowledge of Mike Eaves is how little I know. <laughs> I think that's the best way to hate someone, though, is to know as little as possible yeah. about them. Yes, I agree. It's much easier to hate something with no context. It just gives you, it's just, you can just bludgeon your points to death. It's how I felt about Coastal Carolina. I knew nothing about them, but I knew I hated them, wanted to beat them. Yeah, I didn't even make an effort to go meet out with friends or do anything for that game. I was very content to just sit and barely watch. Though I I did watch, I did watch, because I have a, a, you know, a, obligation to our listeners one listener our listener yes your wife <laughs> I, I have an obligation to our one listener to uh, make sure that my analysis is on point so i i did stay awake during the entirety of the game but That's we're going to cover impressive. both of them we're going to go we're going to go through both of them we're going to talk a little about unc coming up uh but let's let's get right into it let's talk about coastal carolina coastal carolina was an interesting matchup just from the sense that they're one of the things that I read from this this Monday after the first week in the tournament was an interesting article I believe from Pat Forty about the lack of Cinderella's in this year's tournament and we talked a little bit last year or last week about how Cinderella's are typically guard guard heavy they are you know they they play to the weaknesses that they can control. Most small mid-major teams do not get the hulking seven-foot center. And if they do, they've stumbled upon them from some weird thing like the New Mexico State had the seven-foot-11 center last year. Yeah, two of Sim- them, they're brothers. Yeah, so, the, so generally speaking, the, the small... The smaller market teams are going to, or the small mid-major teams are going to have really good guard play because it's a lot easier to find guards than and, and convince them to come to your school. So yeah, they presented an interesting opportunity for Wisconsin to face what we generally perceive as their weakness, which is guard. You know, going up against a team that relies heavily on its guards. Now, slashing guards is kind of the the weapon that has been most often cited as the one that can create the most problems for Wisconsin, but what did you make of the guard play that you saw from Coastal Carolina? Well, I mean, the the kid from, I believe he's from Wisconsin, actually, yep. Josh Cameron, he kind of tore Wisconsin up a little. I mean, he 
He had a, or was it a Warren Gillis? Who am I thinking of? No, you're thinking of Gillis. Josh Cameron was was good, but Gillis was the one who really shot the lights out. And I believe they shot about almost 60%. They played about as good as they could have possibly played in the first half. And I saw that a, a couple of times when I was following along with the game on Twitter. But that was about as good of a game as they could have possibly played. And they still, in Wisconsin, was still ahead and still was in control, which I think is exactly what anyone watching that game was hoping for. Yeah, you, you take the best punch and coast through it. Yeah, you you don't want to be that first one seed that loses to a sixteen seed, and that was never really a threat in this game. That was the only thing I was worried about in this entire tournament was, first weekend was being that I did not, note in history. No, I did not want that. That is not something that. I would like pinned onto the Wisconsin resume at, 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 as just in general as a program, and it's going to happen. Yeah. I just hope to God it does not happen to Wisconsin. Yeah. But they well, one won one for one. Yeah, I mean they won their con- they they won their conference. They um, I think they were the only team from South Carolina. I, there was some interesting articles written about how Coastal Carolina's is the only team from the state that made it to the tournament. And there's other, you know, very large schools in the state of South Carolina, like University uh, of University of and Clemson. And so it's, it, it's interesting. It's, it'd be kind of like if, you know, Loyola Chicago made the tournament and every other team from the state of Illinois did not. I mean, they might be the next team to make Which it is, from Illinois. It's very close to happening given the state of Illinois Illinois hoops which was much gnawed over and gnashed over the last week here in our neck of the woods in Chicago I've, I've enjoyed immensely reading the articles about the state of Illinois hoops as everyone is focused on professional sports because the college sports landscape in Illinois is just so bad it's barren a barren wasteland but is there anything really to take out of the Coastal Carolina game outside of being able to... Did you think that that team was a... helped Wisconsin get ready for in Oregon with their point guard who was, you know, 30 points and just shot the lights out and that it seemed like they were very similar teams? Judging by, you know, Joseph Young's performance from Oregon, it didn't really seem to... Coastal Carolina didn't really seem to prepare Wisconsin to face uh, a guard-heavy team with a guard who could fill it up. I mean, I, I think the game against Coastal Carolina was great because the height advantage was clear. Frank Kaminsky had a monster game, 27 points, you know, 12 rebounds. He even had four assists. Like, it's about as well as a guy could play. And uh, sure, they probably settled for too many threes. I, I don't like Decker shooting eight threes. I just I know he made half of them, but that's not really his game. He should be taking it into the lane and slashing against a team that he's so much taller than. Watching Decker is very interesting. He he has a he changes his release point so often with his shot that it's very it's almost uncomfortable watching him shoot threes. Even though he he's gotten much better at shooting threes, but he. 
doesn't have a consistent shooting form. So it's kind of difficult to tell sometimes if he if he's on or if he's off. And he releases it in so many different ways that I agree with you. I, I would I would just as soon have him slashing to the basket, back cutting. Um, when he when he really attacks the basket, I think he's one of the best finishers around the hoop in college basketball. And it'll be interesting to see if he gets that feedback, especially regarding his shooting, from however he decides to test the NBA waters. Because if he, if he were to really nail down his outside shot and, and find a, a consistent shooting stroke, I think he could be an absolute superstar. But he is definitely a lead at one thing, and that is finishing. I mean, he had he had one dunk in the Oregon in the Oregon game that did not count. But everyone that I was watching the game with just went woo. I, the dunk went in twice. That's how impressive it was. Yeah, I didn't even realize that that had happened until I saw that come up and and make its way around the internet today. But I mean, uh, an elite level finisher, and it. From from my perspective, it it was now the Oregon game, which we'll get into in a, in a second. But to kind of close close the loop on the Coastal Carolina, it was nice to see Wisconsin exploit an obvious advantage, and I think that's what you want and hope to see out of a team of Wisconsin's caliber when when you're watching them go against, um, especially a smaller a, a smaller team where it's Wisconsin is such a ginormous team. That that they took advantage of their of their situation, and there's you know the less the less energy wasted on a Coastal Carolina, the better. And I <clears throat> I think that's uh, you know a great way to segue into the Oregon game because it also looked like Wisconsin was kind of conserving some of their energy during points of the Oregon game as well where they seemed almost lackadaisical on offense and not as involved as you would have liked them to be for an NCAA tournament game. Obviously, the Badgers still won, and even though Oregon did tie the game at one point in the second half, the outcome was never seriously in doubt against the Ducks. How do you feel the Badgers played against a team that was similar to Coastal Carolina in the fact that they didn't have a guy who played who was taller than six foot seven, but yet Oregon uh, won the rebounding battle against Wisconsin. What did you see there? The rebounding was the the red flag stat. That was the stat that was talked about in the first half. That was the stat that was talked about during the halftime. It was obviously a dis- disappointment to not have that rebounding edge, but. If that's the worst that Wisconsin has played in, and we were discussing before we started the show, perhaps even Rutgers, we've we've said it multiple times that Wisconsin got into such a groove at a certain point in the season that the games were were kind of boring. I mean, there this this was a this was the first game that I have felt well barring the Michigan State game in the Big Ten uh, Big Ten tournament. The first game where I really felt a, uh, a quickened pulse, especially as my and my my big problem during the game was that they just could not step on the throat of a clearly inferior team. 
and the four points and five points. And even, even when it was six points and seven points, it never felt like a comfortable lead. And it every Wisconsin team I've ever watched previous to this team, I feel like would have lost that game. I don't I think as soon as soon as the game got tied up, I felt I felt that come up within me. And it was amazing that Wisconsin was able to close the door in that situation and actually close out the game because that's not typically a, a hallmark of a Wisconsin team. Wisconsin is 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 known for if, if they really get you in a rut and they and they get 12 points up or so, it's over. But if you can hang within, you know, five, six points of a Wisconsin team, and as long as you can hit a couple of threes, and that was that was my big, that was my big worry. Obviously, they had a type, the type of player and um, and young that can that can hit threes, and they had the the other player that was driving me insane was the Benjamin, who kept hitting stupid threes, and I I was just sitting around waiting for for those threes to go in, and I. I can't remember if they tied it on a three. I don't believe they did. But ironically, they kind of lost the game shooting threes as well. They did shoot a couple of kind of kind of wild threes there as Wisconsin was pulling away at the end. And it's also interesting to note that Oregon never led in this game. Like They never did. They never were up even 2 nothing. So, I mean, while Wisconsin was never able to fully put them away... They did just kind of keep them at arm's length the entire time. And I think that was mentioned by a couple of the players afterwards that, you know, it wasn't a pretty win, but in March you just need to survive in advance and move on to the next one. And I think this Badgers team is more equipped than any in history to do so. Oregon never felt like they had a real good offensive game plan. I I never felt that they had a, a... Anything in particular that they were trying to do specifically they against Wisconsin. They were trying to give they it to just, Joseph Young and see if he could score a bunch of points. Yeah, they were looking for their one shining moment with with Joseph Young scoring 45 points while his ginormous dad sat courtside. He did have a large father. And it, as, as soon as I didn't realize that his dad was on the Phi Slammer Jamma team until when they announced it in the show, but that if, if anyone's going to take as many shots as he takes and get as met and be as confident you could say a player it's going to be someone that was a kid of a five slam a jam a player down in Houston so that that was kind of interesting i i am more i was fascinated the entire game by just the idea that Oregon was not better at basketball i we you know Wisconsin has played Oregon a couple of times now but were you are you kind of surprised that Oregon isn't dominant at basketball? I mean, they're basically bankrolled by Nike. Their football team is just a machine. Why is their basketball team not a machine? Uh, I I think this year's Oregon team, in their defense, was a, a bit of a, a rebuilding year for the Ducks, and the fact that they made it as far as they did came as a surprise to most Oregon fans. I, I think if you go back to the preseason. Many pegged them as a, a middle-of-the-road Pac-12 team. They did, again, if you'll remember, right after their loss to Wisconsin last year, they had a number of players kicked off of the team yep. on a big sexual assault scandal. And so I think they were starting with a lot of new faces and a lot of unknown quantities. 
that kind of gelled together for a tournament run. And I think any Oregon fan you talked to would have considered this season a, a massive success, regardless of their result against Wisconsin. Yeah, I, f- I feel I, I just feel as though Oregon should be good in everything, and it's I'm I'm glad that Wisconsin is playing Oregon now as opposed to in, a couple of years. In, in, in ten years from now, I, I would I don't understand, I don't understand why Oregon wouldn't be not necessarily a, a Kentucky type level, but it, you can you can pretty much buy a team if you want to buy a team in in the NCAA and. I, feel as though Oregon is on the cusp of just pulling the ripcord on that one and just buying a basketball team because it just it doesn't make sense. Oregon Oregon should be much, much better and I and I bet they get a extremely good coach soon and they will pay whatever it takes and I think that you can the strides that Oregon has been making recently are gonna pale in comparison to the strides you're gonna see. Uh in a few years from now, because I think that they they've proved it with the football, and I I was honestly scared going into the game just because Oregon scares me so much from a football perspective that it just kind of carried over into basketball. Every, everything with Oregon scares me. I specifically did not go to a Rose Bowl because I was scared of Oregon, mm-hmm. and I love Rose Bowls. Puddles the duck is scary. It's... Yeah, everything about Oregon scares me. Even though I would probably have loved to go to Oregon. Because sure. it seems like an awesome place to I'm go. Sure, to it's a beautiful campus. But I, uh, I glad glad that the Oregon Ducks are behind Wisconsin. Because the other thing, you don't we don't want to lose to Oregon because Oregon fits the profile of the team that Wisconsin is always compared to, kind of negative or compared to in kind of a negative way too. You Wisconsin, oh they're so boring, they're not athletic, yada 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 yada. And Oregon, oh, they're so athletic. You know, they they're they're so up tempo. It's nice to see a Wisconsin team, and obviously this is peak Wisconsin team, is the best Wisconsin team ever. But it's nice to see this sort of a team that's so methodical and so you know who cares if you're high, you know, fast paced. Don't you want to be more efficient? Wisconsin is the most efficient offensive team the best offensive team in in basketball from an efficiency standpoint and to kind of Oregon represents the kind of superlatives that are often thrown against the the whole model surrounding the Bo Ryan system so it's nice to to get a win against a team like that because it kind of proves that you don't need it Mm -hmm. so one last thing before we wrap up the Oregon game Uh, I don't know if I've ever seen a performance that netted 16 points and seven rebounds result in uh, kind of a string of criticism. People were talking about Frank Kaminsky having kind of a subpar game, said his footwork looked messed up, that he didn't seem really on point on offense. Do you think Oregon kind of figured out the correct strategy to defend Kaminsky, where they just kind of had at least one extra person kind of buzzing Kaminsky's clock tower and sagging down and allowing Wisconsin to shoot threes and not letting Kaminsky get his in the lane? Well, anyone who's watched any of the games has noticed that the commentators are very quick to point out that Kaminsky does, even though it is effective, does tend to fall back to his right hand 
he will fake to go to his left hand, but he almost always goes to his right hand. So the footwork is, is really important to his, to his post moves. And I think that as we go along in the tournament, you're going to see more and more teams that are just going to overplay Kaminsky to his, to his, you know, to his weaknesses. And that's where his ability to find the open man and his ability to, to serve as an outlet, um, an outlet passer for the rest of the weapons Wisconsin has is going to be huge. That's why Decker has to be um, cutting towards the hoop. He's Kaminsky is going to find him in those situations, and that's why it's it's a it's a negative and a positive. But the, there's enough balance on this team that they should they should be able to figure it out. And I think it's not like Kaminsky hasn't been overplayed. To it, it's not like we're breaking new ground saying hey he's he, he finishes this way or this way. We're not college basketball coaches. College basketball coaches have figured this out a long time ago and have been trying to stop Kaminsky the entire year, and they haven't been able to. So I think I think it was just kind of an off game. It's back-to-back games. He probably, I don't, I, don't, I don't think he got beat up that much, but I think he might have just had kind of an off game. But again, it goes to the, um, to the, to the point we were making earlier about Wisconsin not being completely on but still being able to pull out a win even when even close I mean I I was more impressed by the fact that they didn't need that 12 point cushion to win this game I think it shows a lot that Wisconsin was able to keep it pretty much in single digits the entire game that's an incredible amount of control from first of all but it it also is the type of win that I'm not very used to watching and I think is one of, again one of those things where you look at this team compared to some previous Wisconsin teams and that's a big difference. Yeah, almost they every control the game. Almost every Wisconsin team prior to this year's team would have lost this game to Oregon. Yeah. And then the next week it would have been Wisconsin needs to be more athletic. Wisconsin needs to run higher tempo. So thank God for that we do not have those columns to read this year. Instead, we have a different type of column, and this is our segue into the next game. For those of you who are unaware, you're going to hear the name J.P. Takoto many, 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 many times this week. That is because J.P. Takoto is one of the... He's a starter. I wouldn't call him a star on the UNC Tar Heels team, but he is from Menominee Falls, and he quite... Sir, famously, famously is a strong word for this, but he did shun Wisconsin on a one of those televised press conference deals. He's famous in Wisconsin basketball recruiting circles. Yeah, as one of the the big targets that got out of state. Mm-hmm. I I am not as good at this game as some of my friends are from college, but there have been a few. He, he is on the short list of really big misses from an in-state perspective. And at the time, it was definitely perceived as a, as a kind of a, you know, a negative can, if, if there is ever a situation where a UNC strolls into town and, and wants 
wants a Wisconsin player, are they just going to get him all the time? Clearly that has not been the case because of Decker. Bronson Koenig was Bronson Koenig was screwed by UNC and I believe Kansas or Kentucky. But um, can you imagine if JP Dakota was on this team as well? I mean, it's kind of amazing to think about it. But it, it goes to what I said in the last the last show that I think now JP Dakota was a junior, mm-hmm. I believe. Mm-hmm. So he was right kind of there in that gray area between growing up with Bo Ryan being the being the guy for Wisconsin basketball did he has he always you know there's there's we might look back in 10 years from now and say you know JP Dakota was one of the last players that didn't associate Wisconsin basketball as a dominant basketball team that you wanted to go to and play for because since pretty much since him there have been a lot of really good successful recruiting stories coming out of the um, Bo Ryan recruiting philosophy and you're seeing it with the the Diamond Stone courtship where he's down to you know Maryland and Wisconsin um, by all reports and you you Yukon know, a little yeah you know Henry Ellison you know Marquette in Wisconsin and I mean the the year before that Kevon Looney was UCLA. Yeah, I guess he's I guess he was one of the he kind of took the JP Dakota route and uh, went elsewhere. But um, he he is gonna be the big storyline and there's there's a great picture uh, that's floating around the internet of of JP Dakota, Bronson Koenig and Decker all as super awkward teenagers playing in their AAU team and that, that picture will be all over the place. And uh, it's, it seems like there isn't any bad blood between no. Dakota or any of any of the Wisconsin players. Um, I, I would I would love to get his honest answer if he ever thought that Wisconsin was going to be uh, making it to more Final Fours over the his college career college career than UNC because presumably he chose to go to UNC to up his NBA profile and to be in a more prominent teams. You could argue that Wisconsin has had more prominent teams over the last couple of years than uh, UNC. So it's, it's interesting. You're going to read every single type of column about the situation. I guarantee you. Um, so do you have anything else on the, the JP Takoto don't really analysis points. I don't think I want to participate in the he's from Wisconsin, so we need to talk about him <laughs> line of questioning that everybody else will be beating into the ground. I think uh, what we should be looking for from UNC in comparison to Oregon and Coastal Carolina is UNC actually has some tall dudes on their team. First time. Who might be able long time. to. Yeah, first time in a long time. Who might be able to uh, kind of bang with Wisconsin down low. Now, as of us recording this on Monday night, Kennedy Meeks, who is uh, one of the prime big guys for UNC, appears to not be suiting up for the Tar Heels, according to Roy Williams' press conference tonight. So that would be a major blow for the Tar Heels as he uh, averages double digits in points and I believe almost eight rebounds per game. Uh, UNC gets 40% of their misses on the offensive glass, while the Badgers only allow 24% of offensive rebounds to be grabbed by their opponents. 
Do you see this as the most important battle in the game? Who can control the glass when North Carolina has the ball? Yeah, I think I think that the last the last two games Wisconsin has played elite point guards slash shooting guards. UNC has, or but with little to no help from a uh, post game perspective. Here, UNC has an elite point guard in Marcus Page, who plays, who's I believe you told me played ninety three percent of the minutes in the last two games, five games, five games. So he's similar to a, a Jordan Taylor for them, and but UNC is always going to have the long athletes. UNC, that's they're going to be deep. UNC's got players that were. You know, major recruits like JP Takoto just that don't play for you know unless they really need them, and they're going to be long. That doesn't the rebounding statistic doesn't surprise me at all. I think it's going to come down to can Wisconsin take what they take what they've gone through the last two games with with elite or not elite but a elite point guard slash shooting guard and good guard play from Coastal Carolina while also balancing off the other side of the of the court near to the basket and who's going to be more disciplined UNC is not known for being a disciplined team generally uh, from a from a turnover perspective I don't know exactly what Marcus Page's turnovers are looking like this year but UNC is going to run a little bit more they're not they're not as methodical as wisconsin is and do you, i have i've watched a couple of unc games this year but is there any team in the big 10 potentially that you, unc reminds you of at all or the you big 10 was a little different this year as a conference but is there is there a profile of a team perhaps that that fits similarly to what we potentially might see i mean unc has kind of a similar profile I would argue to an Ohio State where they just always have a number of long athletic guys who play who can kind of play multiple positions like Ohio State for a lot of this year weirdly had like a six foot four guy playing a bunch of power forward because he could just get a lot of rebounds North Carolina plays a starting lineup where they have uh you know their shortest guy is the point guard at 6'1", and then everybody else is six foot six or taller. So I think that while they do have, you know, an athletic team and a team that might present some matchup problems for Wisconsin, they are liable to turn the ball over. And uh, there are two tournament games so far. They've had, I believe it was, 16 turnovers against Arkansas and then uh, 17 turnovers against Harvard. If you turn the ball over 16 and a half times against Wisconsin, there's no chance you're winning that game. Wisconsin's going to turn the ball over six or seven times, and that's going to be that. North Carolina uh, will thrive on trying to get out in transition on offense, and they're not really going to get that opportunity very often against a Wisconsin team that holds on to the ball for dear life. And, you know, if you're Sam Decker and you lose the ball once, you get benched immediately so he tries not to turn the ball over at all so I think that Wisconsin needs to dictate the pace of play 
and not even think about getting into a game where like, oh, we're going to try and run and prove that we can run with UNC. Like, that's not Wisconsin's game. Yes, they have the athletes to do it, but they shouldn't be trying to beat North Carolina in a game like that. It probably will go poorly for them. Yeah, I th- exactly. I think dictating the pace of play is, is the hallmark of, of the team, and I think that's exactly what they should try to do in this game. UNC turns the ball over 13 times a game on the season, and they only shoot 70% on free throws. They have one really good free throw shooter, which is obviously Marcus Page, who's their, you know, their, best, their best player, period. Uh, J.P. Takoto is actually their, their biggest liability from a turnover perspective. He has 84 turnovers on the year, which is probably a lot more than he would have if he had gone to Wisconsin. I feel like he, yeah. he, would, have, he would have not been given the chance to, to uh, turn the ball over 84 times as, uh, as a, a more discerning Wisconsin uh, viewers might have noticed. Players have, and which delights me to no end, players have, and on Wisconsin, generally just walk off the court after they've committed a turnover. And I think that's one of the funnier things about watching the team is that when a player commits a bad turnover like Nigel Hayes did in the Oregon game, he just waits for the whistle to blow and simply walks off walks off knowing that he is getting pulled. It's kind of amazing. I, and I am, I am a coach... Uh, I don't coach basketball, but it's uh, that sort of that sort of thing is so rare to have the, a grasp over. Normally, if you know if there's a is a turnover or something, you will have to ask the player to come off. But Bo Ryan has got to the point now in his whatever season, thirteen to fourteen season, that he simply just they know they know. They know, and it's kind of amazing. I I love it. I think it's uh, I think that's especially, especially it'll be interesting to see who you who Takoto is kind of matched up against. You are of the belief that it's probably going to be Decker. Uh, I think it'll be Decker sometimes, but then I don't know who would be guarding Gosser if they just put. Gosser doesn't look for his shot very often, so I, it almost doesn't matter who they put on Gosser. But with uh, with Meeks being out, they may have to rejuggle their lineup. And uh, I believe the the backup for Meeks is going to be more of like a traditional uh, big guy in the mold of a Kennedy Meeks. Kennedy Meeks weighs almost 300 pounds. He's not getting out and guarding people on the perimeter. But uh, the Isaiah Hicks and then the Joel James are the two guys who will probably be getting a lot more minutes in Meeks's absence, and they're they're both big dudes as well who will be guarding either you know probably Kaminsky or Hayes. UNC doesn't really force a lot of turnovers per game. They only they only get about four blocks per game, and if if Meeks is not playing, there you can take you know a block and a half off that total. For a team with as much athleticism as UNC has, they don't really force as many turnovers as you would think. And I think that's something that could potentially be exploited as well. Uh, Takoto is actually their best. Takoto and Page both average over a steal and a half per game. But I, it, I would be surprised if Takoto 
got more than a steal in 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 a game where there is going to be a lot more methodical pace of play and Bronson Koenig is prone to turnovers but not as much on ball turnovers Bronson Koenig typically creates has you know a, a passing turnover in the game but he doesn't generally get his pocket pick so if you take away the ability for a team to get a steal which is pretty much what you you see out of Wisconsin's offense and you've got you're looking at two and a half blocks potentially a game and where else are those turnovers are going to come where are those going to come from so I think that's something that uh, could absolutely get exploited and and as I touched on earlier the free throw percentage it's it's not a um, it's not a, a ginormous red flag but to only have one player that's shooting above 80 that gets real a whole lot of well I guess there's two two players that shoot above 85 percent but that this is not a team that in crunch time you're going to be worried about them hitting all of their free throws JP Dakota hits six you know 61 percent of his free throws and um, Meeks he's not going to play but Meeks you know is your your typical big man just just clunker 60 percent of his free throws too. So I think it's a and you you see that by their seating. I think it's a less formidable UNC team. I think with without their center, if they can't force turnovers and Wisconsin runs what they want to run, I don't I don't see how this isn't you know exactly what the line is kind of indicative of, which is around a ten point game. Yeah, I I agree. I I think if Wisconsin is able to impose their will, and it you know it seems like they were kind of it seems like uh, they were kind of coasting through the first two games, and hopefully in preparation for uh, the bigger boys, as it were, in the Sweet Sixteen and the Elite Eight. And with that, we're going to draw the show to a close. Now, you may have noticed that neither of us gave a prediction on the outcome of the game against UNC, and we did not preview a game that would be played should the Badgers win against UNC. I am a very big believer in karma, so I am not going to do that sort of show, mainly because I'm scared. But we are hopeful that next week we will be talking to you again about Badger basketball. So until then... I'm John. On behalf of Drew, thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.